Springboks win before I've got to preach. Uh, because otherwise you speak to everybody and their faces are like... <laughs> so, um, I feel sorry for all the pastors in uh, New Zealand today having to preach. My heart goes out to them. <laughs> But I'm not that sad. Okay. Um, Pinterest, can you, um, sorry, Jordan, just tell me how far I can move around before I get going. Just don't go any past your music stand. Okay, good. All right, as you can see, we um, very recently um, started rebuilding our Regions Beyond website. And um, as part of that, we're putting new material on there, so I'm going to record this message for our family. But it doesn't mean you've got to sit there quietly. Okay, so turn to the person next to you and say, Good morning! Lovely to see you. Don't forget to say Amen and Hallelujah and I'll give more in the offering. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Okay. Um, it's also lovely to have Gavin back with us Gavs <laughs> um, yeah. um, Pearl Gavin took a terrible fall and, um, so he won't be playing the piano for a while okay let us pray Father God as we gather to you and your word this morning we thank you that you also give us the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the one that opens our hearts. You're the one who gives us revelation. You're the one who brings it alive in us. So Lord, as we go back to a very familiar scripture, I want to pray that you bring it alive and help us to make sense of the great commission and the incredible call that you've put on us as regions beyond. We pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, over this uh, past month, we have been joined by many churches around the world uh, in some 30 countries, and you'll see it on the board behind me. And uh, as a leadership team for Regions Beyond, we felt we wanted to put a month together to bring focus to all that God's called us to do. And this isn't about celebrating regions beyond. But we called it regions beyond gospel advancement. Because that is what we call to do. That's our focus. And as we journey forward, we wanted to make sure as a team that we stay true to the calling that God's given us as a family of churches. And so in some 180 churches around the world, we've had teaching which focuses on God's call to the nations. We've all prayed. And we've had four corporate prayer meetings online, one which was yesterday, which was absolutely amazing. But also, it's been a time to remind ourselves of our togetherness in the gospel, relationship in the gospel. And then, very lastly, we also have taken this time to give resources, finances. To all that God has called us to do. And after I've finished, we will be doing that 
for the last time for this offering today. Amen. Right. And so today it's a great uh, joy to be sharing with you. Because we have brothers and sisters from Swindon with us. Uh, Gateway Church Swindon and they can dance. Eh? Really wonderful. But it's also uh, a very special day because... We'll be sending Jordan and Becca back to Biggin Hill in England. And as you see, as this word evolves this morning, you'll see this is at the very heart of who we are. So could we go to a very familiar passage in Acts chapter 11? And I want to read you the last 11 verses from verse 19. And uh, Petrus will translate as I read. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. Preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And Luke records that this took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples, everyone according to his ability, sorry, sorry, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. And then from uh, chapter 12, verse 25, 
So Barnabas and Saul took the gift that had been collected all the way to Jerusalem. And then in verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture. And it's the, the first time that we see in scripture where the gospel begins to expand through the known world. And I'm so grateful for this message today. Because it was brought by those who had gone before us. And some 20 years ago, I had the privilege of hearing Simon Pettit unpack the scripture in this way. And I want to do the same for you today. Now, to bring understanding, if you consider that we as Dichlebeng Church are some 150 adults. We live in a town that has between seven and 8,000 people living in it. Which means that we only represent less than 2% of our wider community. Maybe with all the other churches, maybe we represent 4% or 5%. Which means that there are thousands of people who do not know Jesus the way you and I know him. Sadly, we live in a society where there is some 30% unemployment. So one in every three people doesn't have a job, no income. This will result in great poverty and hardship in our community. And for many, there's no running water or suitable shelter. Now, the question to ask is knowing all of that, shouldn't all our energy as a church, as a leadership, with our finances, with the people gifts we have, shouldn't our energy just go into our community. And isn't that true for every church represented on the board behind us? Isn't that what we should be doing? And that is a good question. If, if for one thing, if that was the biblical pattern that we've been given. If that was what the Bible instructed us to do, then it would be the right thing to do. But the pattern of the Bible, as I'm going to show you today, is not like that at all. Jesus... And his disciples, those who walked with him, those who heard him in person, gave us a very different pattern. And so today's message is aimed at detailing this pattern. 
so that we can see what Jesus did what the early disciples did and align up with the purposes of Christ because Jesus said follow me not man's wisdom and so the disciples followed Jesus's pattern and in turn we've got to follow those who've gone before us because one day we want to hear those words good and faithful servants amen we want to hear those words because it's about being faithful with what God has called us to do and let me say that that's both the neighborhood our town our village but it's also the ends of the earth and everything in between. And so from these two passages that I have read and the diagram that's going to go up, please, I want to bring you a message and explain the, the nature of an apostolic movement. I want to bring understanding from the scripture and it's in the form of this diagram to show you how the early church reached further than just themselves. I want to show you how it works. And on the diagram that is before you, I have listed nine factors that determine what an apostolic family looks like. And after each one, I want you to ask the question, are we doing it? Here in our local church, are we doing it? If they were following Jesus' pattern, are we following Jesus' pattern as well? Are we following the pattern of the early apostles? So here we go. Nine factors that make an apostolic movement. The first one is, we see in this account that the gospel advances through ordinary believers. Can I hear a big amen? That's everybody. It's not a chosen few. And here, right in the beginning of the early church, persecution comes to the church. One day, they're like you and I, thousands of people meeting daily. They're fellowshipping together, worshipping together, and then persecution comes. People are beaten, people are imprisoned, businesses destroyed, husbands, wives separated. And the scripture tells us. That the church scattered. What they had known was no longer. And I'm sure for those doing the persecution, they must have thought, well, that's that. We've done it. What they didn't understand is that the gospel goes forth through ordinary believers. So the first arrow we see, see. These people on the run, these refugees leaving Jerusalem. <coughs> and some of them find their way all the way up to Antioch. One of the key Roman cities. And straight away when they arrive there, they've got their few possessions. They're having to start life again. But straight away, they start sharing Jesus Christ. That's a real challenge for you and I. 
Does that speak of your lifestyle? Are you one who speaks Jesus? And no sooner have they spoken Jesus that they start to have this incredible breakthrough. People from different backgrounds start turning to Jesus. And there is fantastic breakthrough. And the question to ask is, how did these ordinary believers know what to do? They arrive in Antioch, <laughs> refugees. <laughs> but when you read the scripture, they knew what to do. And the answer to that question is they had been trained in an apostolic household. When you come to a church like this one, you don't come to be entertained. You don't come just for the wonderful tea and cake. You come to be equipped. So that when the time comes, you can speak Jesus. So the question to ask then is this first one, the gospel advances through ordinary believers. Are we doing it? The second part of this pattern we see evolving here in the scripture is that the gospel advances in a cross-cultural nature. We see straight away the gospel comes in and it crosses cultures. And this is so important for us to understand in a nation like South Africa. That the gospel that's been given to us is to be shared across all the cultures. We were talking at the back before the service this morning about Jordan and, and Becca leaving us today. And I think it was Andy who said to me, he said, isn't it wonderful how they've really embraced the cultures in this Laban church? <laughs> I think you've, you've got to do a twirl for us quickly. Can you do that? My granddaughter does a twirl for me when she's got a new dress. But uh, on, look at this. Somebody needs to take a picture quickly of a picture. Okay. Look at that. <laughs> The gospel crosses cultures. We don't keep it to our own culture and say, well, this is for us. And so this gospel through these people crossed into the other cultures. And straight away, Antioch became a cross-cultural church, multi-cultures. Which is why they had to say, we can't call them disciples, we can't call them the way. We can't call them Jews. So they came up with the name Christians because they were aligned with Jesus Christ. We ask our question, are we doing it? Are we doing it? Amen. Yes, we are. Hey, thirdly, the third arrow we see, which is one that now goes from Jerusalem up. All gospel advance, number three, is supported by apostolic ministry. So there's great breakthrough in Antioch. Thousands of people are coming to Christ. I think it's F.F. Bruce, the great commentator, who said there were up to 50 uh, there were thousands, I can't remember the number, let me not quote, but thousands of people who come to Christ. And when word comes back from Antioch, at the top, 
Back to Jerusalem, there's been breakthrough. They don't sit back and say, oh, that's nice. We've got another branch up there in Antioch. They don't do that. They send an apostle. They find a faithful man, Barnabas. And they send him. Which is the very word apostle, sent one. Why? Because they cared how the church was being built. They knew Jesus had given them a pattern. And they wanted to make sure the church in Antioch aligned with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's those beautiful words that says when Barnabas arrives in, in um, Antioch, when he arrived there, he saw the grace of God. So he arrives and he looks in the church and he sees the grace of God. Which means that he saw the favor of God on the people. You see, his gift allowed him to see things so that proper foundations could be laid in the church. And what does the grace of God look like? Well, the things you would have seen are like this. He would have seen freedom. He would have seen liberty. Because you see, brothers and sisters, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you receive his forgiveness of the sin in your life, the shackles come off. You are set free. And that's why we want to do dance with the Swindon team this morning. Because we're free. And Barnabas saw it in the church. Thought, wow, these people are free. They're no longer slaves to sin. They dance, they enjoy God because they are free. He would have seen joy because they were grateful for what Christ had given them. He would have seen peace because they were secure in their hearts. I belong to Jesus. He would have seen unity. Brothers and sisters different. Some handsome and some fairly handsome. <laughs> he would have seen the togetherness. We are one in Christ. We can stand together. Unity. They, he saw salvation. They had been rescued. They were part of God's family. He saw people who knew who they were in Christ. No longer slaves. But sons and daughters. You can listen to someone's prayers and you'll know if they understand sonship or being a daughter of Christ. He would have seen generosity. Hallelujah. Generous people. Don't hold on to things. Free with one another. How can I help you? How can I serve? And lastly, he would have seen a lifestyle of people following God. Because as we follow Christ, we come into obedience with His way. So, what did Barnabas do? He used the gift that God had given him and he strengthened the church. He brought it through to maturity. Amen. Amen. Are we doing that? Amen. Amen. We want to follow that pattern. Number four. The fourth thing that happens. And if your eyes are good, you'll see it right at the top on the left. Apostolic ministry always works in team. 
So Barnabas, he's arrived. There's revival in Antioch. He's come from Jerusalem. He's the senior man among all that's happening. But it doesn't allow pride to come. But he humbles himself. And he leaves Antioch. And he goes to look for Saul of Tarsus. Because when he sees what's happening in Antioch, he knows, wow, this church needs special gifts. And in his humility, he realizes, I haven't got it all. So he travels to Tarsus, which is further up towards modern day Turkey because he remembers Saul he knew him as a man with a very sharp mind and he fetches him You've got to come and see what's happened. Things you have spoke about, come and see. Come and help me. You take center stage. You help us all grow. And so brothers and sisters, apostolic advance happens through team, through multiple gifting. And so once again, we ask ourselves the question, are we doing it? And you will know we're very blessed in this community by those who come and serve us. And thrilled that uh, Shamga, Ray, And Nesu will be back in January to come and serve us and be with us for a while. Should we give them a big cheer? Okay. Number five. So Barnabas goes and he fetches Saul. And it says for a whole year they're training, they're teaching, they're equipping. But then something else happens. And it's number five, it's the third arrow pointing up towards Antioch. A team of prophets leave Jerusalem and they go to Antioch. So number five, prophetic ministry is key to bring a kingdom understanding or a kingdom perspective. God has given this beautiful gift to his church. It encourages the church. It comforts the church. And it strengthens the church. No time to go into the fullness of the gift. But it takes the church deeper into the purposes of God. And it takes the church wider in the purposes of God. And it tells us it tells us that when they arrive, one of the prophets stands up one day and he says, I love the way it's so specific. It says, and one of them named Agabus stood up. In other words, he's stepping into the space now. And he brings the word of God. And he says, Brothers, God has shown me that in Judea, that is where Jerusalem is, there's going to be a great famine. What was the church's response? Thank goodness we don't live in Judea. We'll be okay. No. They were a family. When they heard the word of the prophet, they said, well, what shall we do? And you will know that they took up an offering. And so this, the prophets come, they bring this Tremendous perspective. And so they arrive there. 
And they take up this offering. Everybody shares. Hey, I've got some money. I can give. I've got some food. I can give. And they sell everything and get the money together. Because the prophetic has brought them into the purposes of God. And so we must be churches that treasure when God speaks. And so number six, the next principle that gives us understanding of the nature of an apostolic movement is that the apostolic and the prophetic join together in a kingdom response. So number six, the one coming back from Antioch to Jerusalem. So can you see how the movement's working? People are sent. Breakthrough comes. Jerusalem sends strengthening gifts. God releases prophets. The church responds to the prophetic. And now it turns around. The church there, this young church, sends resources to Jerusalem. And you can see how the the family of God works together. And from the very early stages of this church plant, they are caught up in God's wider family. Antioch had tens of thousands of people in it. But they didn't just exist for Antioch. They were a people who carried Antioch. But they carried Jerusalem. They carried Samaria. And eventually, as we will see, they carried Asia as well. And so Barnabas and Saul travel all the way down carrying the money which was a big responsibility they handed over to the elders in Jerusalem and just think for a moment what that meant for Jerusalem the gospel had come through the Jews now it had broken through among the Gentiles. And the gentle, Gentiles have taken what is theirs and said to the Jews, here we will share with you. Because we are one in Christ. We no longer Gentile group. Uh, or Jew with this new man. And you can imagine James and the other apostles, Peter, that to say. Jesus' teachings are starting to make sense with every act of the outworking of the gospel. If you were listening carefully to the scripture reading earlier, when Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, they didn't have to carry the money any longer. I mean, it was dangerous to travel with money in Paul's day. Barnabas' day. People were robbed along the road. You know the story, parable Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. Now they could return. 2,000 kilometers back to Antioch. But have a look at this. They did not return empty-handed. They gave of their resources and what God gave them was John Mark. They sowed finances and they reaped people. 
the kingdom of God working. Amen. 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 Their team is enlarged. And two years ago, or just around about there, we, we received Jordan and Becca. Just like they received John Mark. Such a blessing. Strengthened us. And then, as we'll see, it's time again to release. So number seven, apostolic advance by very nature, it catches people up. In Jerusalem, John Mark would have been sitting there, this young man, his heart beating for the purposes of God. This man, when you listen to this man, Saul, as he was known in those days, you're just overwhelmed by the knowledge and the understanding of God. And then there's Barnabas. He's a friend of everybody. He just loves him. He's full of faith. He's catching everyone up. And John Mark saying, pick me, pick me. Some of you are thinking of a movie, aren't you? Which one? Kuvi. Shrek. Don't you remember the donkey? Pick me, pick me. <laughs> so they leave with this young man, his heart burning for the purposes of God. Next year, from this church, we'll start sending of our own. As our younger people start to finish their education or their first level of education, we'll be releasing them to go serve around the world. Because it's hard to be in a community like this and not be caught up for the ends of the earth. Amen. I'm not sure all the moms will love me by the end of it, but anyway. Okay, so apostolic advance by its very nature catches people up in it. Number eight. Okay, so they return, number seven. They return to Antioch, but now they introduce, we brought with us John Mark. Okay, then what happens is that the church realizes once again through the prophetic and that's in Acts chapter 13 it's time to send again. Who would ever want to see Saul and Barnabas Leave their church. And this church is dynamic. You've got somebody who's teaching you and instructing you in the deep, wonderful revelations of God. And then once again through the prophetic. While they were fasting and praying, the prophet says, The Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then suddenly, she say, Barnabas and Saul. Our very best. Give away our very best. But the very nature of apostolic movements is that's how it works. As we come to a close in a moment, we're going to be standing with Jordan and Becca. And everything in me over the last month has said, tell them to stay, tell them to stay. What can I, what prophetic word can I bring to help them stay? But you know what? I believe in this. 
even though it's costly. And so, on one side, my heart is sad. But on the other side, I'm filled with joy. Because we are going to be giving England some of our very best. And so number eight, apostolic advance sends its best and is reproductive in nature. The world opens up for them. And in uh, chapter 14, verse 16, you see this wonderful breakthrough where they start turning to the Gentiles in a big way. And you might think, well, okay. Okay. That's the end of the story. You can see number eight up on the on the screen there. We've sent off Barnabas and Saul. No WhatsApp messages. No videos. Right now, Gateway Swindon and Swindon are watching a video of their team dancing here a moment ago. <laughs> Okay. This I mean, we live dance. an incredible age. But not then. We sent them off. When will we see you? But the church goes on. It's been discipled. And so very lastly, number nine, apostolic advance works itself out in relationship and accountability. Because what we see happening in chapter 14, you can read in verse 26 and 27, that one day in Antioch, word spreads, Barnabas and Paul are back. A boat has come up the, I forget the name of the river, the Orentis, I think, comes up the river with these men waving, we're back. And word spreads through the church. People gather. And it tells us in chapter 14 that Paul and Barnabas give us Full report of all they did. They didn't just see themselves as missionaries that come and go. They saw themselves as part of the family. And because they were part of the family, they were accountable to the church as well. And they sat and told all that happened. One day we will welcome Jordan and Becca back. And um, we're going to get them on their feet and say, we want a full account. Do you remember? <laughs> How is it going? How has God been using you? But in the same way, we will give them an account for how we've been faithful with what they've built in Little Bank. So brothers and sisters, what you see here is a pattern. Sending, receiving, sacrificing, Receiving help from brothers. The work of the prophet, the work of the apostle. But all in all, it's all for the purpose of making Jesus known. A people who laid their lives down for Jesus. Whatever the cost. Here we see the biblical pattern. And that's why in Dechlebeng we try as best as we can to align ourselves with this. Why do we build movements the way we do? Because we believe we can see a pattern 
How do we press forward? By building mature churches. Raising leaders. Modeling devotion. And sending and receiving our best. If we didn't believe in this, if this wasn't a pattern we follow, do you realize there would be no kareke ya No sato bal hobi juanghore dislaben church. There would be no dislaben. No sato ba dislaben. We had a very happy life. In Cape Town. We were part of a beautiful church. Life was wonderful. But then we saw this. We saw this. And one day the church had to send Heather and I. And he sent others. And Dislabeng was born. Twenty-three years later, twenty-four years later, we still want to follow this pattern. So we receive our brothers and sisters from Swindon. They said to us, wow, it's like coming home, coming to Dislabeng. Isn't that wonderful? That's the grace of God. But as we receive them, we then send the likes of Jordan. And if we didn't believe in it, no Dechlebeng, no Dechlebeng Christian school, no people of hope, no hope restored, and so on, and so on. The nations are waiting for you and for me. Yeah. As we close this month of gospel advance, ask God to get hold of your heart. In a moment, we get to take up our final offering for this work into the nations. Kumbi, who leads our team, has asked us for a, an impossible amount in many ways. He's got a big smile. I don't know if it's guilty or excited. I don't know. But before we take our offering again, can I ask you to consider the nations? Can I ask you to respond like the, the Antioch church? Many of them might never have ever got to Jerusalem or even seen the people that their gift went to. Yeah. That they gave because they believed in what was in here. So let's give with great joy with great expectancy. And then, as we finish worship, I hope the team is going to be able to tell us how much we have raised. That we will entrust to the global team and say, come on, go reach the nations on our behalf. Let this neighborhood of Clarence Kubitswana and the nations be glad that we followed this biblical pattern. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's stand together.